All right, welcome to the first episode of the Overchlorinated Podcast. This is Brian Albright here in the On Deck Consulting Headquarters. And our guest is Conan Campbell of North Systems. How you doing? All right, how are you? Doing pretty good. So what are you doing for North Systems? I am, my official title is Application Specialist. Okay. So basically that's kind of sales, uh, consulting, uh, kind of selling equipment and stuff like that. Uh, my unofficial title, Jack of all trades. Uh, and that's how we kind of know you in Texas Public Pool Council is when you made the jump from operations over to North Systems. Right. You were the guy that everyone, because you, you, you get on Facebook and, and answer people's questions and you teach at the conference. And um, you've taught at TPPC. You've taught at Association of Aquatic Professionals. You've got some videos that you do. And so, yeah, you're, you're sort of all over the place. Yeah, I'm all over the place because, you know, I, I look at it this way. Half of my job is doing sales. The other half is doing uh, technical. Yeah. And I'm, I'm giving technical support on equipment, uh, doing installs, doing repairs, uh, just going out and training people on how to use their equipment. Sure. So that's what I kind of primarily do right there. It's, I'm not even sure. Some people realize you sell stuff just because you're always like <laughs> – just presenting or teaching or, or whatever. Right. So like I said, I'm all over the place. So you just, you were in town, you're in town today and then you're in town tomorrow. Yes. Um, are you doing renovation today or just checking on equipment or? Uh, had, a had two sites that are having some issues. It's yeah. like, you know, everybody's getting through this COVID-19 and go, wow, we got to suddenly open up now. Yes. And they're having problems. And this is stuff that should have already been done months ago, but budget wise shut down and things like that. So we completely lost our, our maintenance season. The, the maintenance guys, they're just not usually the pool maintenance guys. Sometimes they are, but they're the parks and rec maintenance guys. Parks and rec guys. Some, some facilities have parks and rec. Some people, you know, like at my old facility where in, when I ran a facility, I was the maintenance guy also. Yeah. And then some have their dedicated maintenance people, but you're right. We've lost that maintenance season. It's normally after TPPC, Yeah. you know, everybody's gearing up to get ready for the season. So you're catching that maintenance. You're getting everything prepped. Sure. And then, then we're good for May of doing lifeguarding classes possibly sooner and then opening up Memorial Day weekend and running with it. But sure. with that, we're not. And I'm hearing left and right from people going, wow, we've been shut down all along. We've had uh, to work from home. And then all of a sudden everybody says 25% and we got to be open. And they're scrambling to get that maintenance part. If you're, if you're a year-round person, it's not as bad because you're right. used to that. Yeah. And you probably had some staff on hand that were already certified. That was just killer because aside from going and cleaning the pool, you weren't actually doing any, any maintenance. And one of the things that my board learned when I was like transitioning out when I left there yeah. and was – giving them information for the new person in October or November, I'm thinking about what I need to buy in January so that it arrives by March so that we can have it installed in March and April so that we're ready to go in May. Right. And the whole world shut down about March 15th or so. And, and with that, people's budgets went, went bad. Oh, and that's, and, and that really, are really worried. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, 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 and talking about the budget, you know, this is one thing that I'm seeing and, I know some people are thinking about it. Some people aren't, you know, with facility city facilities, where do they get their income from? They get it from the sales taxes. 
and from the restaurants, from the bars. Sure. From, well, you know, what they're get, spending on this year came from last year's taxes on it. Yeah. Well, this year, you've seen how much we've been shut down, so that's going to affect next year's money. Well, and, and how little we're reopening, even right. though some some places are open almost. It's like like COVID didn't happen. Right. And then some places are just not opening at all. No, I know, and it's... It, I feel bad for those places. With that. I honestly don't know what to think. <laughs> yeah. What I'm really glad is that I am not doing full-time operations right now. <laughs> um, and because it... So my old club was like the first place to op- reopen. Right. They actually opened before the governor's order. They kind of do their own little thing. And someone on the city council there was like in the speaker's chief of staff or something like that. So had an end to the Capitol. And so they got permission from the city talking to the governor and stuff like that to open up four lanes at a time, an hour a piece seems perfectly reasonable. Yeah. And they had staff that they had trained cause they had their, their staff that had been furloughed basically for two months or whatever. If you're trying to hire and train, that's what everybody lost. Oh Yeah. I mean, there were some people who trained before spring break, but like we basically shut down right during spring break, right when all those classes were. And I think there was probably a few people who cheated because they were 80% of the way through a class and were like, we're not losing this. No. And then it was, can you teach? And some people are still like, can you teach? Well, you know, one of the funniest ones that I, I actually talked to a customer of mine today. And, you know, that's one of the things I do when I do talk to them. I'm like, okay. How are you doing as far as lifeguards and things like that? How are your training going? And he literally told me, he says, this is going to be my best year ever of guards. Yeah. And I'm like, how? He says, where I'm at, which he's in the uh, DFW Metroplex, Yeah. all the facilities that are not opening for the season who had experienced guards, experienced managers, sure. he snagged them all. Okay. So he's got... He's literally only coming in with maybe three or four rookies. Yeah. Everybody else has got experience. He's coming in with people who's got five, six years experience. And he's able going, to sort of cherry pick that. Right. He's cherry yeah. picked it big time. And he's going, he's like this and he's excited about it. Going, sure. And this is going to be the best batch of guards I've ever had. Yeah. He says, now he says, I stole them from everybody else who wasn't going to be able to open. Yeah. You look on the operation side of things. And like social media, you look on the Facebook groups and um, some of the other stuff and people are like, can I open? Can I not open? How do I do this safely? How do I train? How do I, is it safe to open the facilities? Else there's those people who were just full speed ahead. And then there's some people who were like, yeah, I don't need to catch COVID. And then there were some people who were like, Hey, I just need to know if it's safe. Right. And, but on the competitive side of things, cause I'm in both worlds pretty heavily. On the tr- on the competitive side of things, people were just like, "It's safe to open, open up." Like the pool is the safest place there is. And when you look at the CDC guidelines, they say, you know, people were like pointing to this, going, "Hey, this is proof that it worked." You know, it's safe. And it's like you look at them and you go, "There's no actual evidence. There's there's no research done yet to yeah. prove." And you and I were having that discussion. We did a couple of weeks ago on that. Yeah, and so it was like. And and that actually shocked someone on a call when Kevin Tucker brought that up. 
for people who are listening, Kevin Tucker's a guy who's been around for a long time. He was on your side of things right. working for vendors, but he also instructs a lot of like AFO and CPO classes and stuff like that. And he follows issues like at the legislature level if someone introduces a bill and stuff like that. And so he's a guy who's interested in the industry from that perspective. And he he threw that into that one call, and you could tell a couple people about lost it because they were so like, the CDC says, the CDC says, and he goes, well, actually, when you look at what the CDC says, it says things like it should. It should, yeah. That doesn't say it will. It should. Right. And there was no evidence for it. I, I don't say that to think that anyone who opened opens without safety in mind or anything like that. Some people were forced to open. Like their boss said, you will open or we'll find someone who will. Right. Some people wanted to open. And then we all know those places where you're like, yeah, I wouldn't send anyone to go swim there. Yeah. Quick commercial break. Have you tried the Big Easy Trainer from Water Safety Products? It's an adapter that you put on your CPR mask and it allows you to practice ventilations with a live victim without actually blowing the air into the victim. So it, it's got holes on the side. You put it on there. And the ventilation goes off to the side. It doesn't go into your victim at all. But it allows you to have rescuers actually practicing what it's like to blow air into a live victim. They don't tilt their head to the side and say stuff like, breathe, breathe. They actually do the breaths. If you've trained lifeguards for a long time, you've, you've seen guards who don't know how to give a breath because they've never done it for real. So the Big Easy Trainer from Water Safety Products solves that problem. Get a 10-pack today for 25 bucks at watersafety.com. Now, back to our conversation with Conan Campbell of NOR Systems. And you look at some of those guidelines that came out, and the guidelines were like, we can't, we can't say that it's going to be safe. Right. So we're going to tell you to do as many things as we possibly can to make sure that it's safe. It is. And, and that's one of the, with that right there, you know, everybody's talking chlorine, 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 and yeah. it's going to kill it all and everything. But everybody, I, I've had a few more people going who don't have UVs because they're just outdoor facilities, but yeah. they're now all turning around and going, you know, I think we need a UV. Yeah. Or we need something that's going to be that secondary form of sanitation, and maybe that might kill it. And yeah. who knows what it's going to do. And like I've had to explain to them, you know, we don't have proof what a UV will do either. I wonder how many UV systems got sold to people just going like, we'll take it. You, well, yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, with, with our company, we also are in California also. Yeah. And they're flying off the shelves and <laughs> with that. And it, it's been crazy. They've been selling UVs nonstop. Yeah. But the problem is, is getting the UVs in because there's it's become a backlog. Okay. Where you can't get the UVs yet. Yeah, I can order it, man. Because they know what a regular season is. Right. We sell a, a thousand of these a year or we sell 50. I don't know how many they sell a year. Right. But. And then instead of selling 1500 a year, they're now selling 8500 a year. Right. Because everybody's like, well, we got to kill it. Yeah. And, and so it becomes like, oh, wow. Yeah, I bought it. Hey, when can I have it? Can I have it in a week? I'm like, uh, no. Let's see. The UV's got to be built. Uh, it's got to be tested. And then it's got to be shipped out. So you're looking about eight weeks before yeah. you even get it. And then we got to schedule install. And that's now even getting pushed back even further. Sure. Because there were sites uh, we had in California, but we also had it here in Texas and Oklahoma that, you know, we couldn't step foot on site. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we want this repair, but because of everything going on, y'all can't come on site. 
Yeah. And so we, we it's that pushes it back even further. Yeah, where people are like, we want to, we want to open, we want to do this and that, but we, you have to do it this way or something like that. Right. And like you were saying in the beginning, yes, you're right. We lost our maintenance season. Oh yeah. Just before that, and that's where everybody's hurting right there. Yeah. Is a facility I was talking to. Like I said, my phone blows up all the time, so I'm always on the phone. But they're like, yeah, we've got the go ahead from the city. Suddenly, we're like, no, we're not going to do it. And then we got the go ahead. Yeah. And then in the process of us going out there. We didn't have the pumps running for because they drain the swimming pool because they, they don't have plaster. They paint it every sure. year. And, and there's a ton of pools like that. Yeah, there's a ton of pools like there. They get out there, and they fill it back up, and they fire up the pump, and the pump is shot. Yeah. And that you're looking at, especially with a 25-horsepower pump, you don't go to the local store and buy a 25-horsepower pump. No, no, not at all. That, that's that got to be, that's an order, and that's going to be shipped, and you're looking at three or four weeks before yeah. you can get that, and then getting it installed. That's where, like, people really should have that on hand, like that, like when you replace one, get it rebuilt, or, you know, something like that, just, and not enough places do that. They don't think about. They don't. You know, I, I, I did a. I did a, a, a session on just on pumps one year yeah. at a conference. And yeah, you know, some people can actually buy that extra pump and have that extra pump on hand. And it's yeah. just sitting in the corner collecting dust. I even emphasize if you can't do that, you know, just have spare impeller parts, have seals, sure. have all that type stuff, or if possibly a motor. Yeah. And and you're good to go. You, you may be down only two or three days, sure. not weeks on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, and these guys are like, we're down, even yeah. though the city's going 50%. We got to open up now. We need tomorrow. And guys, we got to turn around and drop money to buy a whole new pump. You know, what's interesting is um, the pool that I ran for t- over 20 years, I didn't have any control over the building of it or whatever. And anyone, someone like you would walk into my pump room and they would go, man, so we had five pumps and five filters. And the the pumps were of a size that you could actually get in a day. Right. Um, and so it was the high end of that. You know, it, it wasn't like a, a half horsepower pump or a one, you know, a one horse. But it, it was the high end of that. But you could get one in a day. Right. But also the fact that I had five, I could still run. Yeah. And people would walk in and go, well, don't you want to buy like a much bigger filter and a much bigger pump? Not have all of these? And I would think about that and I'd be like, you know, I didn't design this and I'm not sure I would have asked for this. But the plus side to it is, is that I'm never down. Yeah. You're never down on that. Yeah. Those places that like popped up all of a sudden and so many places wait till the last minute to do their maintenance and they don't necessarily have control over that because it's, it's at a level that's one or two decision makers higher than them. Right. It's just when, when they do have to have the maintenance, it's a knee jerk reaction of saying, Oh my gosh, this broke. We got to get it fixed now. Yeah. Instead of, you know, that that's one thing that we've always tried to push and everybody is preventative maintenance. And it they just don't do it. They go, "Oh, we're going to run it until it breaks and then yeah. knee jerk reaction. Oh my, we need a new one." And it just goes from there. Yeah. So that's that's one of the, that's one of the things we see the biggest is, you know, if you would have done a little maintenance on it first, preventative maintenance. Ooh, let's see, put a little grease in the motor or stuff like that it, it would work perfect <laughs> you just see all kinds uh there's so, so many 
operations out there that are like, oh, that's interesting. That's, I actually. And, and you know, one of the things, the other thing I see, and you may see this a lot is, and I didn't mean to interrupt you there, yeah. but the number of people who can't make change because their boss had their job and they did it this way. Right. You're not allowed to make a change. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I took this operator class and they said, or I talked to Conan and they said, nope, nope, nope. Nope. I've done it this way. Or it's that we've done it this way for 20 years and yep. that's the way to do it. Yep. And you can't do it that way. Yeah. It's got to change. Uh, but it's, it's hilarious with that. But, you know, like I was saying, um, about to say, I actually have a file in my computer. Yeah. And it's literally my wall of shame <laughs> and I'm not lying. And I'm talking, you walk in, you're going, you literally want to go, you're going to, you don't know it, but you're going to be in the wall of shame. And I take a picture Yeah, and because it's so bad. I have one picture. It's a flooded mechanical room. The heater is still on and you can just see the top digits of this heater where you see the display on it. You can see that everything else is underwater and it's still running and the and from what I hear, the guy was going to go down into the water, over waist deep, and turn it off. And it's it's stuff like that. And you go, yeah, you're going to be in the wall of shame on this one right here. You know who you need to talk to someday is you know Chet Jacobson from NASCO. Ah, uh, I don't know him personally. Okay, so he's like I I, I like to joke that he's the slide whisperer. Yeah. Uh, that Chet could walk up and touch a slide and be like, oh, this is a pro slide. It was built eight years ago or was installed eight years ago. Um, the day that it opened, it was cloudy, you know. Yeah, okay, I've got a guy in California that's the guy, like you know, that. The person who who uh, did the final, you know, touches on it or whatever had Funyuns for lunch that day. Like that's <laughs> Chet, like Chet just, he, he, he's like that. And he's got his own like wall of it's not it's just pictures that he's taken when he goes out. Right. And you would never know what slide it is or whatever, but he's got that same kind of thing. You two need to talk one day. Yeah, because you know, I'm an AFO instructor. Yeah. And you know, normally during our breaks, you know, I'll pull up a we'll pull up a PowerPoint presentation. And you know, yeah, we don't have names, we don't have that, but we just have those photos and you're yeah. just flipping through them and everything. And we just put them on on a random going. And people are looking at them going, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm going, nope, this is the real world, and this is what you run into. And like I said, I I ran a facility for years, like you did. Yeah. And you get used to your facility. Yeah. But but with this, you know, I, I've, I've been with NOR uh, going over a little over five years, but I get to go see hundreds of pools. And that's what I did with NASCO, and that's yeah. what people don't understand, that – it's it's you, what you and I do, what I did and what you do are different, right? In that you're looking at the technical side of things. I was looking at the technical side of things also, but I was working with the lifeguards, right? And I got to go out as with the insurance company. They had a contract with NASCO, and they sent us around the state of Texas. If you're an Ellis client, you're signing up to have someone come look at your guards. Oh, yeah. If you're a NASCO client, you have someone come look at your guards. If you're a StarGuard Elite client, you have someone come look at your guards. If you have Red Cross Aquatic Examiner, someone comes look at your guards. 
there's pools out there that no one knows about. They open up for three months. They hire whoever. And so, but if they were a municipality and they got their insurance through Texas Municipal League, they... Yeah, you got to that's the, that's the kind of places I would go. Right. So you would show up at the place that has the full-time professional staff and there's like five layers of management there. And then you show up at the place where there's like the city manager and the public works guy. And the public works guy hires an 18-year-old who's guarded the last couple of years to manage the pool. No pool management, training, or anything like that. Nothing. So you really do see like when you are in that role that you're in and, and to an extent that I was in, you see literally everything. Right. You know, one of the ones, you know, and I look at it, you're right. I look at it on the technical side, but I also, as part of me, my background, I look at it from the operations sure, aspect. absolutely. You know, one of my funniest ones, I walked, I went to a facility, and yes, I go into the mechanical room. I look at it. Every, mechanical room looks good. I walk outside, and yeah, it's more of the winter months, and it's a little cool and everything. They've got a heated outdoor swimming pool, and they've got lap swimmers. There is the lifeguard sitting on the stand with a full parka on, Blue I don't, jeans. I don't have a problem with that. And a tennis shoes. Okay. And I'm like, okay, I know you can get the park off fast, but are you going to take those blue jeans and those tennis shoes off? No. So, no. And, and I asked the manager, I says, does your guard train to go jump in the water and swim with those tennis shoes on? Well, no. I said, well, you might want to do that yeah. because that swimming with shoes on is completely different. Sure. So what... And and my reply to that is like every November was swimming with parkas in service. Yeah, because that's what we were open year round outdoor. So I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, but by God, you had to go to the bottom of the pool and pick someone up with the parka on oh, and yeah. the shoes on. But they they don't train that way. Oh, I know. They yeah. don't train that way. And and you know when I said that, you know, you saw the light bulb come on. Sure. And going, oh, we should really do that. I'm going, yeah, yeah you should. And, and one of my other favorite ones I like to do is, and you've probably had people ask you too, going, hey, where can I get first aid equipment? Where can I get backboards? Where can I get all that type of stuff? Yeah. Well, yes, I did get out of aquatics for 21 years. Yeah. I did it all through high school. I did, all through, I did it through college. I got out of aquatics. For 21 years, you I got, got out, out of the full-time maintenance side or operations oh, side. No, yeah, I got yeah. out. Of, yeah, I, I, I was I was a firefighter paramedic. You're, st- you're still in it, but you're you're on the vendor side of it right. now, well, not no, on the operation well, yeah. side. But for 21 years, I was a firefighter paramedic. Yeah. And so everybody keeps asking, hey, where can I get all this stuff? And I'm going, go talk to your fire department. Go talk to EMS. Yeah. You know, they'll give you backboards all day long. Sure. And they'll give you first aid equipment yeah. just in return for training. Yeah. And I had one customer. One customer says, "They will." I'm going, "Yeah." Three weeks later, she calls me. She says, "Oh my God, this is great! The fire department came in here. They gave me like six plastic backboards for free. It's got our the city logo on them. Yeah. And all I have to do is bring in the fire department every so often, train with the lifeguards, and that's all they want in return." Oh yeah, and they, they actually they want to come swim sometimes, right? Because it's good for them, like it's their exercise. Oh so. yeah. They're like, oh, we'll come and do some in-services with you. And, hey, how about you come let us swim three days a week for an hour? Yeah, and, and they would do that, and they loved it. And the guard, So the guards knew what the fire department was going to do. The fire department knew sure. what the guards were going to do, and it yeah. worked out perfect. Yeah. And I, I keep telling people to do that, saying, hey, if you need this stuff, go talk to your fire department and EMS. Yeah. 
The other thing is, is that people act like, you know, going back to just like, where do you find stuff? Right. Like that you have to go to. And when I say the lifeguard store, I don't mean like the company, the lifeguard store, but like the pool store. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking Leslie's. I'm talking about like, there's like the one-stop shop for everything. And it's like, I shopped at so many random different places. I'd be at Walmart. I'd be at Sam's Club. I'd be at, you know, the grocery store. I'd be at Michael's doing like signs. I would go buy like paint pens and stuff like that. There were so many random places that I went to or websites that I went to. And there's just, there's people who don't think that way. They think like, oh, I have to go to like. I have to go to store A and that's yes. it. And that's all I can go to. Yes. Because they sell lifeguard stuff or yes. they sell pool stuff. And it's like, yeah, no, that's not what you have to do. You know, with something like that, and I hate to say it, we're old. Yes. We think out of the box. Because yes. at that time when, when we started doing this stuff in the 80s, uh, <laughs> and we, we. Well, that was what the industry was doing. And, right. and And actually an article that I've been thinking about writing is we talked about then modify to make it work. And I think everyone's lost that. Right. Because... And for those who who are listening who don't understand what that is, is you had the old Red Cross class in the 80s. And that was actually an upgrade from advanced life-saving in the mm-hmm. 60, 50s, 60s, 70s. Right. Which was about rescuing. And Tom Wirtz and those guys come along and they go, hey, we need to focus on um, the guy out in Jersey on the beach, uh, Frank Pia. You know, people are falling off the shelf and, you know, out in the water and, He's like, oh, this is what drowning looks like. And we can identify that and move people in before they get to the drowning part. Prevention versus responding. But the Red Cross class had been, they were the only game in town except for maybe a YMCA class or the Boy Scouts of America. Right. They were the guys for everyone. If you had a camp, if you had a river, if you had a beach, if you had a swimming pool, if you had a water park, some of the water parks now look nothing like what a water park looked like 40 years ago, yeah. which was like two slides in a concrete catch pool, you know, like two big water slides. Yeah. Some of those water slides were like, whoa, I, I was at one in West Virginia where like you would literally fly up over the side <laughs> and then come back down into the slide. <laughs> um, my brother ran it. He was too young to, to be there really. Like he, I, no one was being dangerous. It was just one of those things where, my brother was like, no, I don't need to ride that. So I got to ride his slides. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you paid like you got you paid like for five runs on the slide or something like that back then. That was kind of what a water park was. Galveston was filled with those places. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that, but that Galveston had that old SeaWorld type place that had a water park down there that had a water Sea-a-rama. park. Sierama. thank you. Yes. And, and Jungle Surf was right mm-hmm. next to it. Yeah. Jungle Surf was awesome. But the other slide, you go down the seawall, and there'd be like a random water slide. Yeah. But coming back to like what the 80s was, is the Red Cross had a program that worked for everyone, or that was supposed to work for everyone. And the water park industry came along, and they built Waterworld in Houston as a part of Astroworld. Yep. um, Which at some point became part of Six Flags over Texas, uh, that whole network. Jeff Ellis was there working for the Red Cross and working for the water park. And he was like, this doesn't work. And John Hunsucker with NASCO is who was a Red Cross volunteer. He'll tell you that he's got more Red Cross t-shirts than anybody else around there. They went and modified it. And they went and formed Ellis and Associates 
you had a baseline training, but then it was like that you would add to it and you would modify based on your situation. And what's happened is, is that everyone, Star Guard came along. NASCO started their lifeguard certification classes or, you know, for licensing versus just being like, John would go around and teach all the Ellis clients, like extra clinics and top guns and stuff like that. You had this mentality of you would get your baseline training and then you would come through and we would teach you to think as a lifeguard and problem solve. Yeah. And we've lost the problem solving part of it. That Ellis has their program and you somewhat tailor your that program to your facility. But there's the Ellis training, there's the Ellis way, and there's the Star Guard way, and right. there's the NASCO way and the Red Cross way. And and John used to tell you like yeah, go get some Red Cross training and then go take an Ellis class and go take the YMCA class and just like learn as much as you can because one of them's going to do something different and you're going to be like, hey, that works better than what I was doing. Right. You know, the, the, there was a thing that, uh, that I, when I taught my guards or even like when I was a firefighter paramedic, we had the thing. You, you, learn, you learn it the book way for the test. You well, it's not it. even that. I think I honestly thought like in the 90s, or actually the, the Red Cross class that I liked maybe the best was that early 2000s. Yeah, that was actually pretty good. Right because there. there was they hadn't overscripted it. Right. So you could still like teach as, like, as an experienced instructor. You could teach the slight modification of it. Well, you could... Or, or, the, or the tricks, more of the tricks. So, so what standardization has done is tried to bring the bottom end of the instructor up to a certain level. Right. But what it's done is it's, it's overscripted, so it, it brings the, the really good instructors down. It compresses them. Yeah. Because you have to, everything, you, you don't have a chance to go, oh, there's this one time, you yeah. know, and tell a story or whatever. It's show the video, ask this question that is written out for you. Right. And you're, it tells you what answer you're looking for. Give them this handout and then refer to this from their student manual and then say this from the instructor manual and then play a video again and then do this activity. And there's, there's no variation from that. There's not supposed to be any deviation from right. their protocol. If it says it takes two hours, 45 minutes, it's supposed to take two hours, 45 minutes. And that was always true, but you could play with that two hours, 45 minutes. Right. Time. In that two hours, 45 minutes, it's supposed to be 15 minutes of this and five minutes of that and 10 minutes of this. And, you know, there are people who don't teach that way, but it's like when you're conscientious about teaching and doing what, keeping to the spirit of what they wanted, but varying a little bit, it, it's really hard with that now because someone says something, complains about it, it's right. like you're in the wrong. Right. And so... That's where I feel like we've lost the modify to make it work. You, you were talking about just like how we were thinking in the eighties, right? In and, the nineties, and like I was like I was saying is like you, you learn you learn it the book way, and then you got to learn then you got to turn around and learn it the street way. Yeah, as we joked, it's like you know, yeah, here's the proper way to do it, but you know, it's not. It, it was always the thing, you know, when we do backboarding, yeah, in the water. Well, yes, the patient is prone the entire time. Well, in reality, the patient's not always prone. Yeah. And they don't always stay at that angle, but they push that and they go, no, oh, they have to be prone. But, you know, you, let's say you get somebody who breaks their leg in the wa in the swimming pool. Yeah. And then they're actually holding their leg up. And then your guards are looking at them going, how am I going to put this person on the backboard? Yeah. 
it, it's those modifications that you've got to change that and make them think out of the box. Well, and I feel like the lifeguard um, competitions, yeah, reinforce the book because they don't. There's no, there's no crazy scenarios. So it's like, oh, this happened, and they literally parse what the book says. They go back to your basic training. And two people could do it the same way, exactly the same way, but they're from different certifications. Mm -hmm. And if one certification said, hey, you should have done this instead, and it could be like a really trivial thing, they're going to dock you for it. Yeah. You may have even done it better than the people who were 100% technically correct according to their training. You may have done it better than they did, but you'll lose points because you weren't 100% technically correct to the letter of the initial training. You didn't go A, B, C, and yeah. D. You went A, B, D. Yes. And, and, but you got it done. And I, I honestly was at a lifeguard competition where they didn't get it done, and they placed middle of the pack. And they were the only ones who didn't get it done. Oh, wow. It was. It's, I'll tell that story someday. It's one of the most <laughs> bizarre stories I've ever been a part of. They even had, like, I was the victim. And they even had someone else get in and be the victim. Because I, when they said they want to come back and do it again, I was like, yeah, I'm not going back out there. I remember doing my first lifeguard Jamie might have been at that one. She might have, may have to ask her on that she, one. No, seriously, she may have been at that one. And, um, yeah, so someone else got in. And, and I realized what a mistake it was to put the other person in because of who we picked who had the same training I did. Well, see, I, I remember the first lifeguard competition I ever did was back in 1985. Okay. That was the first one I ever did. Yeah. And, yeah, you had the standard. Well, back then, it was it was more. Relays and things like yeah. that and CPR competitions and things like that. But one of the things that stood out to me the most was, yes, they made us do a CPR rescue. Yeah. It wasn't on the pool deck. It wasn't in the swimming pool. They stuck him in the locker room in the toilet stall, <laughs> sitting on the toilet. Which you didn't, which you didn't mind that it was in the locker room, but you really didn't want to enter that toilet stall. Well, yeah, you didn't want to, but you had to pull the person off the poor, toilet stall. Poor guy who had to be the victim on that one. Yeah. That's the guy. That's no one liked that guy. That's <laughs> well, you know. And I took that, uh, you know, I, that stuck on my head. It, it, it stuck with me. Yeah. on that, and. Like I said, when I got out of uh, out of aquatics and got into the fire service, I, I became a paramedic instructor. And we would do all these training scenarios, and they're like, oh, yes, we're going to have the person do a CPR in this in the room right here. Yeah. And I'm going, no, we're not. We're going to stick them in the toilet. Ooh. And because that's reality. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You no, know, it, t it truly is. Right. And yeah. with that, in the lifeguarding stuff, you know, oh, hey, pull them out of the water and that. I'm like, well, what about the person who slides up underneath the bench or something like that? Yeah. And you know you need to train those guards that way. Chet and I, we, uh, we regret the loss of the Texas City Clinic. And so, and that's where I grew up. So every year you got your Red Cross certification. And then right around Memorial Weekend, you had to go out. And John Hunsucker comes out with his like crusty gang of instructors. And some of these people have like hundreds of hours of like Red Cross instruct, you know, like as instructors, thousands of hours of Red Cross. At one point, NASCO taught like 5% of the paddling classes for the Red Cross in the country. That's absolutely true. Wow. 
they were all like river rats. You'd get like 10 guys out there and he would be like, yeah, we've got more scruff than anybody else. You would start out with like a rescue. And back then the Red Cross didn't have full rescue tube rescues. Like mm. it's, it's weird to think about that now, but there, what I remember is your active victim rescues were without a tube cross chest and, <laughs> and the alternate cross chest. Mm-hmm. And then your passive victims were with a tube and you did the dosy do and got yeah. them on the tube and dragged them in. He would start out with some of that and then he would add in the tube and then he would add in this and then, and by the time you got to day two, so this is a two-day clinic. You had to do the NASCO warm-up drill. And if you've never done that, that's an experience. But it was all this stuff, like he spent the first day just giving you tools. And he showed you different ways to do rescues. You'd be in the shallow end of the pool. You'd be in the dive well. You'd be, and they would, a guy named Russell, uh, Russell Martin, who used to be with NASA. Like you had to have like a PhD to be a NASCO instructor back in those days. And, you know, work for NASA, work for the university, work for some, I mean, it was, that's the kind of place that was. Russell would be the timekeeper and he would like, you know, blow his whistle and go, rotate. <laughs> then you would go to your different group and you would, I mean, hours, just the first day doing that. And he'd bring you in, show you a skill, show you three skills. You'd rotate between three groups. Day two was spinal and then like five to six hours of scenarios. And this is like a John Hunsucker scenario. The Lithuanian skydive team, (laughs) their plane broke up over your pool. And 25 of those guys just landed in the pool. Go get them. Bad Boys Beach Club, you know, and, and he would have like, he had, you would line up 10 rescuers on one side or 10 victims on one side and 10 victims on the other side and then line up some rescuers without rescue tube. And you had to go and pull the 10 to the side, swim across, pull the other 10 to that side. What you learned was problem solving and not giving up. You never left anyone at the bottom of the pool. Nope. You never. When you were finished, you were at the bottom uh, you, of the my, pool. <laughs> He took me down in the circle drill the first time. <laughs> uh, that was, and, and no one had rescue tubes in the circle drill back then. <laughs> they added them in at some point for half, and then you would switch and give your rescue tube off. There was a, a lifeguard named David Cook back in the 90s who won SuperGuard twice. And I was talking to her, and she said, you know, because SuperGuard was easy. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, I was trained by John. He goes... You know, if you've say, had to save 10 people in a Dr. John clinic and you show up at SuperGuard and you're saving one person, it's pretty easy. And John's, John's thing was you don't, you don't leave them behind. You're learning to think. And I can't give you the stress of a real scenario. But if I give you the stress of 10 rescues and you can do that, hopefully you can handle the stress of the one. Right. And David was like, yeah, so when I was at SuperGuard that first time and I saved him, I looked around for the next victim and there wasn't anybody there. She was like, oh, I guess I'm done. <laughs> and she said she went back the second year just to make sure the first year wasn't a fluke. <laughs> but that's that's where I feel like we've lost. Right. is Thinking out of the box. Thinking out of the box. Right. Modify to make it work. The book isn't the only way to do it. And I'm not trying to criticize the book, but it's like there's this feeling now Maybe it's more as the the society has become litigious over the years, as there's more 
cameras and stuff like that. And generally I'm very positive on cameras. Right. There's going to be someone who says, oh, they didn't do that exactly according to their training. Mm -hmm. Like, well, they may have done it better according to their, their basic level training. Right. We used to talk like, hey, you go get that basic skills. And then we always refer back to the book. It, it got to, it's getting to the point to where, yeah, you're, like you're saying is cameras are watching everybody. It's like, my thing would be, did the per- did they get them to the side and get them out of the oh, water? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That oh well, I didn't hold the rescue tube in the proper position. I didn't ha- this. Oh, I had the strap. Strap should have been dangling a little bit more. Or yeah. oh, it's back in the day, our day when we did it all. Did you get them to the deck? Yeah. And did you get them out? Yes, I did. Are they alive? Yes, they are. Nose up, stable, and breathing. Right, and. And that was good. But now, like you said, cameras, everybody's watching that going, oh, well, they're going to critique. Well, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. The craziest thing at a lifeguard competition, the the craziest argument between judges beforehand trying to you know get on the same page. If you're at the Texas Swim Center, you've got the deck, the water fl- flows over the deck. I'm, right. I'm losing the, the Gut, a gutterless system, Like a gutter, gutterless system. Well, the gutters are on the deck, yeah, so it, but, but it's, it's a, um, I, I just, goes I'm, into I'm a, losing the word, but yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So the water flows over the side, and um, it's a really fast pool. People don't understand what fast, that's a, that's a really fast that's pool. That's a fast pool. But on the end, because it's a fast pool, it flows over there, and they've got a raised platform that that stands over the deck. Um, it's not solid. I mean, obviously the deck's solid, but... It's it's an elevated like and there's podiums underneath that deck, mm-hmm. so that the water can rush under there, right, and not get hung up on a wall or whatever and and bounce back, and so the deck is elevated I don't know eighteen inches or something like that. I mean it's not so you got to heave them up if you're if you're trying to remove from there yeah. yes, but that wasn't the that wasn't the discussion. The discussion was. And the Red Cross guards are hampered because they're the only ones who face this issue. Is that an elevation or is that from the deck? There are pools in this state where that would be a a regular jump from the deck. Mm -hmm. And then because it was elevated a little bit, people were like, no, that's an elevation. Well, do you do a stride jump or do you do a compact jump? (laughs) Well, if you're Ellis, you always do a compact jump. So there is no question. Yeah. If you're Red Cross and you did a compact jump, is that from a height or is that, you know, because all of a sudden when you're parsing like a half a point, that plays into it. Right. I don't care. Get in the water. That was also the same competition where like the group didn't finish the rescue and placed middle of the pack. We're talking about whether or not, yes, I've got a thing with lifeguard competition sometimes. And so, yeah, it was, that was one of those things where we're like, hey, we're I don't know what that was, but Coley and Fiona definitely thought something was going on. So you bet. squirrel. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if UPS or somebody was here. Coming back to COVID for a second mm-hmm. and chemical balance, because this is one of your things. Are we just gonna like chlorinate the hell out of the pools this summer? <sighs> That's what it looks like. They you know, normal people who are saying, you know, I'm gonna keep my chlorine anywhere on an outdoor, normally about a two to a th- they're 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 talk they're talking about going up to a five, yeah. And 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 it, and, and, you know, with state code, we can go up to an eight, a little bit, but we like it between that one and five. But they're even talking, man, I'm going to go five and a six, and and I'm like, what are you doing? 
yes. you're asking for problems. Right? I, I don't understand it. And here the other thing is, is that I feel like we're going to give people breathing problems. Right. Because we're trying to save them from COVID. Yeah. Well, one of the it, things with COVID is you get breathing problems. Right. Well, what is it? Um, you get into some indoor facilities that have really bad air air handling systems, and you get yes. the lifeguard asthma. Yes. And you know we're going to be doing the same thing. And can you imagine running a swimming pool nonstop at about five parts from five to six parts per million? Think of all the off gassing that you're going to keep right at that water level, and it's going to be bad. Yeah. And you're right. And you know it will affect. The older people, and but it's going to really affect the little kids. Yeah, and that's where we're going to get that right there. I I just feel like we're going to make people again just give them breathing problems for solving a solving a problem that where they may get a disease that gives them breathing problems. Right, and and like like we said earlier, we still don't have one hundred percent proof that chlorine. Works that, that chlorine kills it. Right. But the thing is, is that I'm not sure that if, if chlorine kills it at a one, does a five kill it faster or does it, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's sort of, I get where you may see this a lot. It, the indoor people tell me uh, they run their ORP and they put more chlorine in than you would at an outdoor pool. The outdoor pools. Um, I mean, there are people who do that at outdoor pools just because that's, they've always done it or, or right. whatever. Or they can't keep up, so they need to run it at a four or five in the morning so that they can be at a one or two in the afternoon. But the indoor pools are trying to burn some of that off so that they're not running at a one, they're running at more of a four or five. And Actually, I'm seeing a lot of them, a lot of my indoor ones, you know, they're, they're running that either 1.8 or they're running up to a 2.8. 2.4, 2.5 at the highest. That's what I see a lot of indoor pools. They're not running are, it super high because, you know... Now, are, they, are, they, are they rusting? Because that's what people were telling me. Well, no, that. they're not rusting, but, you know, they're also... They're running... They got a good HVAC system okay. running it. They're running UV. Yes. They're running all that stuff right there so they can keep that down because, okay. you know, all that rusting, you know, that's, that's just chloramines right there. No, I get that, but they were... And... So they, they, they run and one of way. the places that was telling me that definitely had air quality issues. Yeah. Some of these high school natatoriums that you see around, and that's what's getting built. Those are the competition facilities that are getting built. Right. Um, it's not the college level. It's not the club level. It's the high schools. Sometimes, occasionally, the city going in with them or whatever. City maybe donate the land. The school district builds the pool or something like that. Right. But people are telling me they're running their ORP at like 800 because when they ran it at 650 to 670 they were everything was rusting. Huh. You haven't really seen a lot of that. And so I I've tried to ask a few people about that and no one's been able to give me a good answer for why that is. Really uh, you know it, it seems to me if you clear your air out you you don't have those issues. Yeah, but. you don't because a lot a lot of the rusting like I said a lot of the rusting is just that chloramine. Yeah. It's it's that off-gassing to where you know you're 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 free in your total or giving you a if they're really off and you're getting a high combined, yeah, that's where you're getting your your off gassing and you're getting that chloramines. Yeah, come on, you know, you and I, we've walked into a hotel and you smell it. You smell the swimming pool. You now, now when we were the kid little, opens the door to the pool yeah. and the whole lobby smells like chloramine. Right, right. Yeah. Now you and I, when we were little, we would walk in and go, woohoo, swimming pool, yeah. yeah. But now as adults, we're going, 
oh, I'm not going anywhere near that. I yeah, I don't. Yeah, but it, it's you know a lot of the older facilities that you're right. The air handling system is going yep. bad. They don't have UVs because they're like, well, we had a UV quoted in there, but we had to cut costs and we ripped it out. Sure. You're now turning around. You're going, well, here's your problem now because you've got a lot of chloramines yeah. going in there. But it, as far as seeing lower ORP and uh, parts per million as far as resting, I, I, I haven't really seen that. But, you know, but I've got a guy, one of my guys over in California, a yeah. guy named Mike Smith. He could probably get me an answer on something like That'd that. That'd be interesting. But I just, I feel like with the COVID stuff, it's like, well, we normally run it to three, and that that's great. But, like, let's make sure we kill the COVID. So let's run it five or six. Right. There's, Bigger is better. There, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it, you know, let's kill the dead horse, yeah. you know. Uh, so I, it's it's really been interesting to watch that with some people. There's so much there's no liability coverage with COVID. It's sort of like you open, are you exposing yourself? Someone gets sick and dies and they trace it back to your facility. You didn't really have a choice in opening, but you opened anyway, or, you know, or is it that you could have opened safely and obviously you didn't clean enough or, and so it's like, Hey, let's just, you know, we, we run it a two, let's run it a four. Let's, yeah. you know, let's, we ran it a three, let's run it a six. It's going to be one of those things. Uh... Next year will be more interesting, honestly, I think. Because, you know, we'll have a full year of COVID. Yeah. COVID's never, it's not going to go away. Okay. It's not going to go away. I have no idea. Like, I, and right. I don't say that as a skeptic. I say that as like, I just don't know. Like, right. It, but we'll have, we'll have, they'll. H1N1 have, burned itself out. COVID's right. not going away. Right. But, you know, with that, you know, we're going to be able to. We'll have more of the testing done. Yes. And we'll know where, okay, we'll really know. We that. may have a vaccine at some point. Yeah, we may have a vaccine, but, you know, you'll get that. They'll really do that testing because I know right now they're looking at, oh, we've got to do this all for the people. But, you know, they're not really looking at it in the swimming pools too much. No. and But, you know, somebody's going to do that testing eventually, and then we'll truly know that, hey, you know something? At our normal parts per million and ORP readings, that will kill it. Or they're going to know, hey, it may have to be more. Or you never know. It might be less. Yeah. Or, hey, you know something, uh, a low-pressure UV won't do it, but a medium pressure will do it. Yeah. Uh, or vice versa. Or, hey, you can get away with a low-pressure UV. Who knows? Somebody's going to have that testing. Is it happening now? No. They're focused elsewhere. Yeah. In about another year or so, I think we might have a better answer. We may... I would hope we'd have a better answer. Right. We'll have a better answer, hopefully. Yeah. But, like you and I... We're going to turn around and go, okay, that's a better answer. But what about this? Yeah. We'll throw a wrench into it and ask more questions. And then somebody's going to look at it and go, I don't know. <laughs> it's It's been interesting just to watch all this. And, I, you know, I wrote that article where I was basically like, no one knows the answer. Like, you're on your own. Yeah. You, you, you're just going to have to – we're sort of – guessing together sometimes mm -hmm. but it really is guessing and but you know with this i've seen one thing that i've been very impressed with very impressed with all this here it, it's happened in texas and we're seeing it on the uh on the um, aquatics managers and directors facebook page too yeah have you noticed the communication 
we're talking more to everybody's talking more and it, I, I, yes and no yeah okay there's been a lot of repetition a lot of repetition but you know i think when this settles down i think the nice thing about it is is we've already been talking so you know i think some of these things will still keep going you know i'm, I'm seeing yeah somebody's going well has any I, I know we've probably asked this question before a million times but does somebody have this but you know after that you know i think other things are going to start coming out of it and people I, are no, I hope so I, I, yeah I, I think so and what what i when i say a lot of the repetition is like uh north texas had their weekly thing right and the first time it was a lot of people i feel like sort of just going, oh my God, we're all in this together. Right. And sort of banding together, which was cool. And then the next time it was, hey, we're going to have someone from the Red Cross speak, or hey, we're going to... And at some point, it just all ended up being the same. Right. But to what where, I, like when DeRosa spoke. Yeah. And I, I like Sean. Sean's a good guy. And Sean actually is someone who would take all the stuff that's out there and maybe articulate it better than someone else did. It was it was almost like, well, Sean hadn't spoken yet, so let's have Sean speak. Right. Sean says the same thing that the four previous people said, and I'm, if Sean had said that first, then we'd have been good. We may not have even needed the other people. Right. But what I what I like about it though is you know you you see it especially with the the North Texas batch. Yeah. We've got people from Canada on there. We've got people from Washington oh, yeah. State. We've got people from California, Oregon, uh, Florida. Yeah. It's it's been that big batch like that, and you're starting to see even more on that Facebook page on that one right there, where people, other than other things, the COVID stuff, but they're asking other questions. Yeah, and that has is going to help out, and I I hope that just still keeps going. Yeah, and everything. You know, I I meet new cus when I meet new sites yeah. and new people, and I'm going, hey, do you know about this group? Uh, no, I don't. Sure, and I'm like. Okay, why reinvent the wheel when you're running into a problem? I guarantee you 30 or 40 of us have already had that problem before. Yeah. Jump onto this group, ask that question. You know what I what one of the things that you did say there, and I used to feel this about going to conference sometimes, is you go to conference, no one has a problem. Right. It would be weird to go to like NASCO safety school and you've got like fifteen years ago, you would have like some real big heavy hitters coming as facility operators before the Paramount parks got bought up by Cedar fair, or whoever it was. Yeah. And you had like some really top notch parks, really outstanding operators. And you even had like Andy Marek over and he wasn't one of those guys. He would come to, to safety school, but he wasn't one of the Paramount guys. He was in Colorado at Waterworld or whatever. You go to conference and you'd be like, Hey, you ever had it? No, everything runs great. And then you go to safety school and you'd be like, you know, asking someone like Andy or, um, Heather Hill or something like that up in Toronto. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, and this is how we fixed it. Or, right. you know, they would share ideas. And I will say that some of those things on Facebook now, some of those different groups, people are asking questions and sharing responses. And it's it's sometimes what you don't get at conference when we all get together. Right. You, you don't always get that, you know. But like I was telling you, I, I did that aquatic tech talk one. Yeah. And, you know it just kept going and going and going because, you know, you, know, you sit at a, a, a conference classroom and you're going, okay, you know, yes, it's good information. I just don't want to ask questions. I don't want to raise my hand or anything like that. That one that I did, I forced everybody to, 
okay, who's got a problem? I know you got a problem. Yeah. Tell it to me. And, you know, we'll figure it out. And it just, boom, question after question after question after question. It just kept going because one person would say something and it would flip the light switch on somebody else and then they would take off sure. with a question. And it just snowballed. Yeah. And I I want that momentum to stay going, just not on a maintenance side, but I want it to go in operations. Uh, I think it will. And Yeah. And I think it is, you know, and the nice thing is, is with the advancements that we've got, you know, we can do the Zoom meetings, we can do the uh, team viewer meetings, whatever, webinars. Yeah. And I hope that we can just keep pushing it that way and it keeps going. I like the the Facebook questions and it, it, it doesn't have to be Facebook, it could be something else. Right. Some of the webinars, and, and this is where I think we were talking before we started recording about, I did NDPA. Yeah. The conference got canceled. And so I had to record a 40 minutes presentation and I don't mind talking for 40 minutes. Um, I was trained by Kim Tyson. I was trained by John Hunsucker. <laughs> I've got Irish in me. That's just right there. Those three elements. I will it's talk in your real house, <laughs> uh, you know? Yes, exactly. But there's no interaction. And some of those webinars, I don't know if you ever go take online learning, but it's like, Oh, here's the video. Yeah. Here's their little scenario. When do I get to take the test? Yeah. Here's the quiz. Okay, now I get to move on to the next section. Okay, here's the video again. I like the organic nature of some of the questions where you get different experiences. Mm-hmm. You, you teach AFO. The first AFO class I took, and I like it when it's, it's a regional class or something like that. Right. So Farhad from City of Austin – Needed a class, needed to get some of his guys. He brings Tom Weller in, who used to be an AFO instructor. Um, he was an operator down in the Valley who had moved up to Dallas and got out of the industry, I think. I don't even know if he teaches anymore. But we had people from Kansas there, people from Oklahoma there, people from Dallas there. And you had people with indoor pools. You had people with outdoor pools. You had people with um, like those old you still run into some of these sand filters that are like, it's like the building is the sand yes. filter. Um, I know where two of them are. They work. Yeah, they work. It's it's crazy. It's I mean, you gra- wouldn't build those, it like that it's nowadays. It's gravity fit. Those gravity The gravity filters, yes. Gravity filters. And, um, and you had just so many different, and people were like just sharing like their pools, and no one had the same pool. Right. And people had the most bizarre problems. You came out of that going, thank God I don't have that guy's facility. Yeah. But that guy figured out how to do his facility, mm-hmm. and it was really interesting to have that, as opposed to like the instructor just pushing stuff. And that's that's one of the, you know that's one of the things that I do as a technician, yeah. and as a salesperson. You know, I come in. You know, yes, I've got the AFO training, I've got all this experience. You know, and I could turn around and recite half the PDH codes on chemical levels and things like that. Yeah. But you know. But I go to each person, I'm going, and they're like, well, where do I need to put my swimming pool on this and this? I said, well, state code and all this stuff, AFO recommend this. But, you know, you gotta, you got to look at your swimming pool. You know, it's going to want to run a different way. I can't say, oh, you got to keep your parts per million at this. you got to keep your pH at this. you got to keep your alkalinity at this and your calcium hardness at this. Yeah. You know, I can tell you that all day long, and your pool may run terrible. It, it you've got to find that perfect balance in there. Yeah. And, and like I even tell other people, I can put this, you can have your swimming pool right here yeah. and you can build it identical. Every, every bolt, 
screw yeah. connection right next door, and the readings will be totally different, and we'll want to run it differently. Yeah, and and that's one of the things I emphasize big time is. You know, you got to play with it and know what your pool like. Like you my, probably don't know for maybe a year. You, you don't, especially on a new one. You know, my old the swimming pool that I ran. You know, I took it over and I, I, I had a guy and and I, I don't even remember his name, but he had that whole seventies look about him the entire time. And he comes walking in. He didn't drive the mystery van, did he? It looked like it. Nice and everything, but <laughs> he came in and you know, yeah, I'd been out of aquatics for a while. And then when I took over my facility out in East Texas, the guy says, well, you know something? I come in and I do your chemicals. I check your chemicals. I do all this stuff. I make all your modifications. And he was expecting me to just be a guy who just didn't know anything about the mechanical room and the side of the swimming pool. And I'm looking at him going, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I said, this is mine. I'm going to do it how I need to do it. Yeah. And yeah, it took me a summer to find out its idiosyncrasies. And I did it, and I knew it. And, and I'd had so many other companies come in and say, oh, well, you know, you need to keep your cyanuric acid level at this. You need to keep your alkalinity here. You need to keep your calcium here. And I would go, you know, if I do that, my swim pool is going to pitch a hissy fit. Yeah. And that's why I, I don't tell people that, hey, you got to do it this way. I'm there only maybe once every two months, three months. It's It's – Sort of like I was, we talked about, like how we taught lifeguards twenty years ago, right? Where this is what you need to teach, but there's that variation mm-hmm. in there. Where, yeah, that's you know, here's here's what here's what you need to be working towards, right? But figure out how that you need to tweak that, yes, for you. Uh, and it's amazing how like just changing something for the for better or worse will will just interrupt it all. Oh, it does. You know, like I tell people, you know, you're not juggling three balls. Yeah. You're juggling eight of them at yeah. one time. Yeah. Because, you know, with us, if let's say it's in like your facility was was year round. Yes. So you have to deal with all your chemicals. Yep. And I was the guy. You were the guy. So you had to deal with chlorine, acid, uh, then your alkalinity, your calcium, your all that type of stuff. Then on top of that, you had to deal with your heater. Yep. Then you had to deal with that. So if that heater got out of whack a little bit, that jacked with something else. Or if you messed up your alkalinity, that messed with your heater, and it may mess up with your filter or your pump. Calcium the well, same way. Or, and, in the, and in the summer, it, we were running aerators. Yeah, you were running aerators. So that we weren't running at 93 degrees. We were back down at, you know, we'd be at 82 in the morning and 85 to 87 in the afternoon. Right. And then you're losing chlorine. Yes, and when you're losing, but you know, you mess, you you lose the chlorine, and well, that messes with your pH, messes with your alkaline. It's so, like I said, you're juggling eight balls at one time, sure. and you get one off, and it's yeah, it's going to go. I even like I was a guy that you teach AFO, you typically learn like oh, people don't usually use dichlor because it's expensive or whatever. Right. I loved dichlor as a shock. I didn't. I couldn't use it year round. Yeah. Because uh, I didn't need to use it year round. No. It was one of those shocks that it disappeared as soon as it hit the water. So you didn't have stuff all over the bottom, and you did, and it wasn't trichlor, and the pH was just right. You know, you didn't have to to balance with it or whatever. But I, I might need that in like May and June. I didn't usually need it much the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, so even within your your seasons, 
you don't or within your year you you work your pool differently and and the problem that we're going to run into this year normally by now we're already running full blast yeah we've got lots of people in our swimming pool yeah now we're at either a quarter or half yeah your chemical controller is going to start adjusting to running it that way yeah and then when we get to all right yay you can open a full blast yeah your pool is going to pitch a hissy fit yeah because it's then had that massive increase and it's like well you know I've been used to doing it this way yeah and now you're doing this to me so you know it's going to take you a week to get it under control sure because you've now gone from 50% to 100%. Yeah. It's like, it's going to be that big jump real quick. As I jokingly tell everybody, this is why we drink a lot right now. <laughs> yeah, normally we'd be drinking a lot because of we'd be full <laughs> into the season. Yes. And uh, not not advocating overindulging as we sit here with Shiner Bach. Uh, <laughs> Well, thanks for coming out, man. Hey, um, no problem. I think I'm going to wrap that up. And uh, where are you off to next? Uh, I'm actually going to be in Round Rock yeah. tomorrow. I've got a I got a site there, and then uh, I've got another one of the swim schools. I've got to go out and take a look at that tomorrow, and then yeah. I'll be heading to Houston. But Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday next week, I'm back up back and down on the, on the back road on again. the road. I'm being a road warrior again. We'll be safe out there, man. Sure will. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. All right, thanks. Thank you. All right, many thanks to Conan Campbell for being our first guest on the Overchlorinated podcast. If you want to get a hold of Conan, you can email him at Conan, that's C-O-N-N-A-N-C, at norsystems.com. Trying to talk him into putting in a proposal for the next AOAP conference, so if you want to hear him talk, send him an email and tell him to get his presentation proposal in. If you want to see some of his aquatic tech talks, he's done some videos. And if you Google aquatic tech talks, the link for his talks are the link for his videos is on the TPPC website for the COVID-19 resources. So just Google aquatic tech talks and you'll find them. And thanks for listening. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks.